Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. So good to be with you, everybody. Hey, tell you, you can all join me right now with where I'm at. It is spectacular. We were, I just shut off the music so you can hear me better. Uh, I am in the foothills of Washington State in the Cascade Mountain Range. It's gorgeous over here. We hiked to a glacier, 17-mile trek, round trip. And at one point, there's a two-mile stretch of that trek where you go up 2,000 feet in two miles. That's 1,000 feet feet vertical in per mile it was brutal but we got up this mountain gorgeous glacier lake and it was spectacular so greetings from washington state eastern washington specifically good to have you joining us it is monday august 1st 2016 again this podcast is created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals we're the proud recipient of the progress and lending innovation award very happy about that Today's hot topic is one of my favorite topics. I've got a lot of favorite topics, you could say, but this one is right up there at the top. It is uh, branding, marketing, how to get yourself marketed into the marketplace. And we have special guests out with us. We have got Pat Soroka, John Soroka, and Scott Soroka. It's the Soroka family joining us with Soroka and Associates. They're, Pat and I have been friends for 30-some years. He's been instrumental in helping me at various times. Uh, throughout my career and, and branding and marketing. Uh, and I, I attribute Pat and his wisdom to a lot of branding I have. And we're going to be talking more about that. Uh, a lot of people say it's working because they hear about me everywhere. But um, we'll talk more about that. It's about me. It's about getting you branded and marketed well. So it's really going to be exciting to have them on a little bit later in the podcast. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, ArchMI, the creator of the Mortgage Innovative Rainstar Program. If you haven't seen that program, you've got to check it out, folks. It is really good. And I, we did the broadcast last week from San Francisco in their suite, uh, their reception suite from the California Mortgage Banking Association. Really interesting information about the housing market. Be sure to go check out last week's podcast. Also, Motivity Solutions, the leading business intelligence technology, providing reporting, dashboards, and scorecards. Also, Velma, the virtual electronic marketing assistant. Thank God for those guys. They get the word out to all of you all, as they say in Texas, all y'all. They get the word out with their set-it-and-forget-it auto campaigns. And then also they have this creative, creative custom campaigns that really get a solid message out to all of your, in our case, all our listeners, but all your customers. So be sure to check out Velma, Velma.com, B-E-L-M-A, or call Brent Emble at 208-854-7909. Simplifile. Love having these guys a part of us. Nancy Alley and the team, they're doing an awesome job getting the connect, getting you connected with your closing agents and the, all the things going on. The communication, it needs to be real-time. It needs to be in a chat, messaging, electronic format. I mean, we could text everybody right now. Why can't you do that with your, well, why can't you? You can now text and electronically communicate with the closing agents. It's really great for real-time communications, exchanging, especially when it comes to the closing changes. How many of us know there's those last-minute changes, and you can track them, send them, receive them. Best part, the regulators walk through the door if, more like maybe when, you have an audible trail that you can look at and show them, everybody, what it is going on. Great tool, simplifile.com, S-I-M-P-L-I-F-I-L-E.com, or dial 1-800-460-5657. And uh, say hi to Nancy Alley for me when you do. D&H, moving your world forward through technology. They have been in the business for 140 years, which you'd think would make them stodgy. Far from it, very innovative. 5,500 employees working hard with 8,000 clients in 70 countries. Check it out a mortgage check out DNH's mortgage bot solution. Their POS LOS, very innovative stuff that they're doing. I, I tell you, I mean, I mean a lot of people we say, well, that's been around for a long time. That's been you should check out some of the stuff they're doing right now. It is very innovative. Go to mortgagebot.com or one eight hundred eight one five fifty five ninety two. Check it out. 
be doing some podcasts from some of their booths in uh, in various conferences throughout the the year, especially get back in the conference season. The Mortgage Collaborative, founded by five past presidents of the NDA, the Mortgage Collaborative, which the Sorokas are a part of and proud to be a part of it as well. They are mad that what this is is ultimate, the ultimate network is what we refer to it as the power of the network. And really what this is is allowing you to connect with industry leaders in a social setting, which is much more small and intimate. There's lots of time, and you get to meet with the heads of Fannie, Freddie, Jenny. I mean, Ted's there. You can walk up and talk to Ted. And he, uh, Ted's such a great guy because he, he's just so conversant. And it's fun to be able to be in an environment and a part of an organization where you can meet the top mortgage professionals, whether they're the agencies or whether they're top mortgage companies. Check it out, mortgagecollaborative.com or call Rich Zerbinski. That's right, Zerbinski. I love that name. Rolls off the mouth so well. Call him at 440-552-0691. Again, the power of the network. Special thank you goes out to Alice, Joe, Andy, Paul, Sam, everybody who makes this program so good with the content. The host does all right, but the guests, these guys making this program work. So grateful to them. I to see here. As far as conferences, we got the Pure, you got to come up to Pure Michigan. We've got the MMMLA. Uh, we're going to talk to Keanu Joanne in just a minute about the conference coming up. And uh, up in Traverse City, August 7th through the 9th, that's next week. I'll be speaking on the 9th and Tuesday talking about millennials. Very exciting. And um, Mortgage Collaborative Conference is August 20th through the 23rd. Love to see you at all these. Again, we've got the MBA already registered for the annual MBA. you got to get registered for these. Enough all of that. Let's get into what's going on with the markets. Joe Farr, welcome to the podcast. Hey, and uh, greeting, greetings from uh, Western Washington. Joe, when we walked up, you and I were talking before the podcast, you walked down into the Grand Canyon, and you talked about how painful it is on the knees going down hard. like that. Oh, man, it, it was brutal. And the last six miles, I had a walking stick, and I swear to God, I felt like someone in a retirement home just trying to make the steps one <laughs> step at a time. It was really bad. Oh, they're doing fine all But it was worth it. Knees. It was worth it. Yeah, being up there with my daughter was special. So, anyway, what? How's the, what are the markets doing for us today? Well, we're down just a little bit. We're down 230 seconds on the day. Uh, we started the day a little bit lower uh, over the weekend. Um, uh, Fed President Dudley had some comments that uh, might have weighed on prices early. They, he, he was saying that the Fed Funds futures market is underestimating the pace of rate increases. and. Um, I went back to see oh. this time next year, uh, using the Fed funds futures, uh, this right. time next year, it's still just a 50-50 chance that we will have had a rate increase. So it's uh, pretty lo- pretty slow, and uh, he's just cautioning that uh, uh, you know maybe the market hadn't built in enough, and, and that could be negative for mortgage rates, which is why we're see- we saw a little drop this morning. Uh, but then we got some uh, economic data, manufacturing and ISM manufacturing and construction spending came out about 10 o'clock. And since that time, we've been on a, a little bit of a, a push high, uh, to improve prices. Uh, MBS uh, prices improved on the July ISM, which came in at 52.6, which is a little below what was expected and uh, below last month. And then June construction spending uh, this was the third month in a row that there was a drop in construction spending. And uh, these are June data. It's a little slow getting to us, but June data fell six-tenths. Uh, that was uh, after May data uh, improved a little bit. But uh, anyway, it's, it, it's been a slow part of the economy. Um, now hmm. let's talk about last week. Uh, MBS prices improved by a half a point last week, which was really a good week uh, in good, good week, week for mortgage rates. The uh, and all that came sort of late in the late in the week, starting on Wednesday after the Fed meeting, uh, the statement was I think read to be a little less hawkish than what people had had thought it would say. It, it certainly mm-hmm. didn't do much to say that September a September rate hike is coming, so uh, the market reacted favorably to that. And, uh, and and then the other move came on Friday when the GDP number for the second quarter came in at such a disappointing yeah, level. Yeah, it, yeah, it, really it disappointing. showed growth at 1.2%, 2.6% was expected. Uh, 
first quarter was revised lower as well. It only grew at eight tenths when uh, uh, previously had been reported at 1.1 percent growth. So, uh, you know, a, a bit of a surprise. But you know, that was the second quarter. So that's activity uh, through June, and we saw a good uh, labor market. Uh, number in 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 July for June, and so maybe toward the end of June we were starting to see things get a little better. Better. The uh, and the Fed sort of acknowledged that. You know, their last meeting was the middle of the June, and and so in July the meeting they recognized improving labor market conditions, uh, growth and consumer spending. You know, relative calm following the Brexit, and uh, for that they labeled uh, that the downside risk to economic. Uh, Growth had diminished, and and so uh, you know the 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 comment that kind of comment, even though it was uh, a little more hawkish, just didn't come off as hawkish as what people expected. The other economic reports that came out during the week included uh, some more good housing data. Uh, contracts signed to yeah. buy new homes uh, rose. It Very rose to the best level since 2008. You know we keep hitting new highs. Contracts signed to buy previously owned homes rose, uh, although not as much as people expected. Uh, consumer confidence, consumer sentiment, but both fell a little bit in June uh, and July from June. And then Chicago PMI was a little better than expected. So a little, you know, good housing data, mixed information. Otherwise, uh, this week's labor labor market uh, information is going to be extremely important. We have. We have something just about every day this week that you need to pay attention to, uh, starting with tomorrow's core PCE, uh, the Fed's preferred inflation index. Uh, yeah. Wednesday's ISM services is a big component of, of our economy. Uh, Thursday, there's a Bank of England meeting, and, and you know they passed on doing anything at their first meeting following the Brexit vote. Uh, expectations are that they, that they may do something this week uh, at this meeting. Uh, and then the jobs report on Friday, where 170,000 jobs are expected, uh, 1% drop in the unemployment or one-tenth percent drop in the unemployment rate. And uh, maybe the most uh, concerning part about the, the jobs market is going to be the level of wage increases, and, and they are expecting to see a uh, one-tenth monthly increase in wages, so in the hourly earnings. So, uh, big reports every day this week, so it's good time to pay Big attention. reports, yeah. Pay attention and no better place to do it than via MBS quote line. Outstanding service. Do a great job all the way around. And uh, I just, again, love the conciseness of it. So if you want to learn how to get connected with MBS quote line, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Looking for that competitive edge? MBS Quoteline delivers live market coverage for originators. Get up-to-the-minute mortgage market news and analysis as events occur. Get MBS prices as trades happen. Straight to your computer, email, cell phone, or PDA. Know in advance when your investors will reprice. Make better lock float decisions and increase your income. Be the expert your clients expect. And know what's moving interest rates right now, tomorrow, and beyond. MBS Quoteline. Delivering live market coverage for originators. Learn more about MBS Quoteline today at MBS mbsquoteline.com mbsquoteline.com 646-716-4972 The Lickin on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. Good to have you with us, everybody. Appreciate you dialing in again from Eastern Washington. And I'm trying to turn on Paul Mallow's mic. There we go. He's jumping around on me there. Trying to, I'm doing this on my laptop, doing everything mobile. Talk about a mobile podcast. This is it today, man. About as mobile as you can get. Good to have you with us. Paul Mallo, what's going on, my friend? Can you hear me okay? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Well, you know, one of the best ads in marketing is the guy that used to be in Verizon is now working for Sprint. Go, can you hear me now? Why, why are you still with that old network? I thought that was really good advertising. So anyway, yeah, I can hear you, bud. You're looking. Hey, I missed the I missed the story about your Grand Canyon hike. Did you or were you on the North Rim or the South Rim? Well, I've done I've done the North Rim, uh, but we're up in the Cascade Mountains that we hiked up to the uh, to uh, Blanca Lake, and and it's a glacial lake, 17 yeah. miles in and out. I, and Joe was talking about when he hiked down into the canyon. That's when you dialed in and listened to that. So oh, I am okay. uh, in Washington. I'm in the foothills of Washington State, and we 17 mile round trek, and it was. It was brutal. Ah, anyway, so, it was beautiful. <laughs> Worth okay. it. Memories. 
Good memories afterwards. I was in pain coming down, but so what's in the headlines? I don't have your website up right now, although I recommend everybody to get it because I'm out in the I'm mobile and so I'm not having I'm not testing technology to the max. But it's MV excuse me, it's imfnews.com. Sign up for the on their the website. Sign up for the daily newsletter and uh, really good stuff. Paul, what you got? Uh, well, we we crunched the new uh, Ginny Main numbers, and uh, FHA apparently cracked at one trillion dollar mark in how many of their loans wow. have been pulled into Ginny May Securities. Uh, you know, this is just more evidence that you know FHA and VA are, are strong government programs. They're not going away. Uh, they can they're going to continue to compete with yeah. you know a high uh, uh, high LTV Fannie Freddie loans. Uh, if you're a follower of the MI industry, uh, you know you got to weigh whether uh, we're going to get a premium cut and whether that's going to affect the MI business and this and that. And the way things stand, what we hear now is that no premium, FHA premium cut is, is imminent, but people are thinking it could happen this fall, maybe after the election, uh, maybe right before. It all depends on the audit of the, uh, the mutual mortgage insurance fund. So, uh, But right. anyway, listen, these are strong programs. VA in particular has gained a lot of volume in the last couple of years. Uh, and that is a, a no-down payment program. So just you know, keep an eye on FHA, uh, an important program for lenders, obviously, and uh, their volumes stay strong. Uh, listen, non-bank earnings uh, come out. Uh, a lot of them come out this week. Uh, Aquin reported last week another ugly quarter for Aquin. Uh, this week we have Nation Star, Stonegate, uh, and Penny Mac. All eyes are going to be on what the servicing marks were the markdowns on the value of their servicing assets due to declining rates. Uh, you know, they could be could be pretty ugly for uh, some, but keep in mind, you know, with these servicing markdowns, we you know, we report on the markdowns, the declines, but, you know, when rates go up, they get to mark the stuff up. It all depends on how much, you know, they could uh, recapture. Uh, but it, it's on a lot of people's mind these days. Uh, in lending volumes, by the way, if you didn't catch Inside Mortgage Finance uh, on Thursday, uh, a, a great quarter for the industry and originations, $510 billion, according yeah, wow. to the uh, exclusive surveys that uh, Inside Mortgage Finance does. Uh, go check out that story from last Thursday. It's on our website. It's the lead story in our weekly. Uh, we ranked the top 50 lenders. Again, $510 billion. Wells Fargo, once again, number one, 11.8 market share. Uh, just a quick note about those rankings. The biggest One of the biggest gainers, uh, among the top five was PennyMac in loan production. Interesting. They had, yeah, they had a sequential jump of uh, almost 47%. Uh, Freedom Mortgage, a big gain for them as well. Uh, but here's a surprise. The biggest gainer sequentially, meaning first quarter, second quarter, was Caliber Home Loans. They grew their business really? by a stunning 51.9%. I should point out, by the way, that Chase just grew their business by 70%. Uh, so that's something to keep wow. an eye on. And uh, I know Bank of America was a little better than uh, a lot of people expected. They grew it by 29%. Uh, anyway, so our, our numbers are out. People always look to the IMF numbers on, on loan volume. Uh, just uh, just got a sidetrack there. So uh, Quicken Loans yeah. got a case. Uh, they lost it on appeal. Uh, the, the National Labor Relations Board uh, had to do with confidentiality clauses and non-disparent standards uh, used in their employment agreements with uh, uh, some of their people. Um, you should read the story. It's a little complicated, uh, and it basically just means I'm not sure what. <laughs> it just means be careful what you put in your – it means put, be careful what you put in those employment contracts. Go read the story. We're probably doing a bigger story on it in one of the weeklies. Uh, we talk a little bit about the uh, AIG spinoff of United Guarantee. That's the number four story. Uh that thing was announced in late January. They've yet to spin it off. There's speculation maybe it will happen in the fall. Uh, I think we'll know more tomorrow because AIG, the parent of United Guarantee, uh, puts out its earnings, and I'm sure the analysts, stock analysts, are going to be asking them when's that IPO coming. Uh, we've got a little write-up about the student loan debt situation, a study by Fannie Mae. Uh, that's on the website as well. Uh, and in the short take section, we've got a bunch of stuff. Joe Garrett, who I always read his uh, email blast to his uh, clients every week, uh, he points out uh, one of the most profitable lenders he knows never does any FHA or VA lending at all. He doesn't tell us who the client is, uh, but he does point out they're a consumer direct originator. So, And also the other hmm. big news uh, for the FHA condo market, 
Uh, on Friday, President Obama signed uh, H.R. 3700, uh, also known as the Housing Opportunity Through Modernization Act, and that basically, uh, among other things, it lowers the FHA's current owner occupancy requirement to, um, from 50% to 35%. Uh, NAR, the Realtors Group, was pushing that hard. Uh, they 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 are hoping that it's going to uh, make uh, more FHA condo loans available to the general public. Uh, condo lending is you know an important part of the first-time home buyer market. So. Uh, and that is pretty much all the good stuff. So it's all there on www.imfnews.com. Good to have you with us, Paul. Yeah, lots of good stuff. There's a lot of good information there. It's really interesting. Good, good, good time to be in the mortgage production business. That's for sure. Appreciate it. Yeah, Get great folks. quarter, by the way. Great quarter. Check out all of the information there at imfnews.com and get signed up for the newsletter. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks so much for joining in with us, Paul. Thanks for having me. Enjoy your trip. You bet. So, too. Let's go to Alice Alvey. She's back from India. Can't We'd love to get, you know, trying to set up the projector and see the whole movies, Alice, but we'd love to. <laughs> but we've, got, we've been missing these updates, and I know you had a great time, and maybe we have to dedicate a program to that sometime. But uh, let's get into getting an update. We're hungry for, you know, legislative update. You've been missing, we missed your heart for a month, all your, all your travels. <laughs> Well, it's good to be back, but it was uh, definitely a great trip and great group of folks over there. It was in our Bangalore and Pune offices, and uh, this wonderful group of people. And uh, it's great to meet with the programmers and our our quality assurance teams out there. So, hi everybody, in case you're listening. But yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up a little bit where Paul just left off on HR 3700, the Housing Opportunity Through Modernization Act, and this idea of the owner occupancy requirement through legislation, right? The legislation can't make HUD necessarily do something along this line, so it does include a statement that unless FHA can provide justification for a higher percentage. And I think what will be interesting to see, I think certainly FHA and the market want to be able to get more people into homes, and condominiums can in a lot of markets be a more affordable um, approach for folks. But keeping in mind that if a project is 75% investor-owned, right, which means then that 75% of the project most likely to non-occupant, that's a different dynamic and higher risk for those projects because you you don't necessarily have folks who are as engaged in making sure the project um, is spending the money needed within the budget to retain the marketability of the project, right? That's the whole risk of a condo is you all get along and want to maintain things. And when it's, you know, primarily renters, then you have a very big dynamic difference there. And, and so for me, you know, as an underwriter, there is elevated risk with making that decision for right. homeowners who don't have a lot of money necessarily. You know, your FHA home buyer isn't usually having a lot of extra cash in the bank. So it's definitely something to watch. I think streamlining the recertification process and giving FHA the authority to do so and giving FHA the authority to consider it is definitely something that's worth getting on the book. So, We'll watch that bill for you. Um, it's only one step in a very long three-step process, as we all know, in our, you know, life of a bill story. So we'll watch that for you to see if we can get the other two parts going over the next couple of months. Um, first and foremost, everyone's talking about the proposed no before you owe TRID changes. This was the long-awaited component to try and clarify all those areas that were a problem within the main TRID regulation. We got some, but we didn't get all of them. So. As we look through the details of this, we're all still dissecting what each little comma and word means. It was interesting. We were trying to get clarification on the service provider list. So this is something that even today lenders struggle with. Do I have to actually name the service provider and name the fee on the service provider's list just as it appears on the LE? And we were going back and forth on this with a client just the other day, several clients, as a matter of fact, who said, no, you don't need to do that. No, you don't. It doesn't say that in the regulation. And we were going but it says the word each, and we think it does. Sure enough, CFPB comes out with this interpretation, and it clearly says in there that, yes, you should specifically identify each service unless you think fees can be in bulk. So it's got some components in it that even today lenders wow. might need to go, oh, is this what they meant, even though right now they're proposing that this won't start till April of 2017. 
So we'll have more for this on other shows. I know our focus today is on marketing, but we'll set aside a show to kind of go through, I hope, uh, a little more detail on what this proposed rule means. The comment period is open until October 18th, so we'll take some time and perhaps talk about it in more detail next week. So that's my big suit today, Dave, is to just make sure there are some important things in this uh, TRID change announcement that will um, even help you today. So I'll turn it back yeah, to you, and, to and do, uh, looking forward and, to our guests. And to doing do this as with as much jet lag as you must be feeling to sound <laughs> as perky as you do is amazing. So anyway, it's so good to have you back, Alice. Really appreciate you and your contribution, and that we miss you. As Andy said, Alice is back. All right, we're going to be right back, right with this. With uh, let's see, we've got uh, Sam Garcia on in the batter's box, Andy Shell, the prop doctor, and we've got the hot topic segment on brandy and marketing. We'll be right back after this brief break. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. Yes, and they will give you the edge, folks. Get a hold of them. Get a hold of Alice Alvey. You'll never it's just it's just fun to talk to Alice anyway. One eight hundred two seven eight zero two zero zero or Alice dot Alvey at Indicom dot net. Good to have you all with us. Appreciate you joining in. We've got Sam Garcia with us. I've got to turn on his microphone here. You know, we what I do is when we have everyone dialed in, I do mute up various mics and turn them on through the switchboard. It's working, Sam. You're on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? We're going to have that as a theme of the broadcast. Maybe that's a good that's a good one we should use when it comes to marketing. Can you hear me now? Do you hear me now? Do you hear my <laughs> message? Well, we hear your message loud and clear. You've got a great piece with MortgageDaily.com. You do a good job of reporting. And, and I love the data, again. You know, all the data is in there. But let's run through your headlines here quickly. Well, you know, on uh, Joe's comments is? about – on Joe's comments about this Friday's employment report, um, I regularly monitor warrant filings with uh, individual state employment agencies. And, you know, while my research is no by no means uh, completely comprehensive, I've seen uh, a significant uptick in uh, recent layoffs, of course, especially in the energy sector. Yeah. sector. So it uh, be yeah. interesting to see what happens with that unemployment rate um, when it comes out on Friday. Um, our mortgage market index, which is a reflection of average per user rate locks by clients of open close, that slipped 1% last week. Um, and that is actually activity through the end of uh, last week. So it's it's very recent stuff that gives you an indication of what's going to happen both you know, with applications and with uh, production in the upcoming near future. Um, purchase financing fell 6% for the week, but refinances rose 7%. So... That's the hmm. trend we saw, at least in the most recent week. Um, the CFPB reported that average monthly mortgage complaints uh, totaled more than more than 4,300 in the three months that ended June 30th, uh, and that was down 2% from a year earlier. And what's nice about that is that um, the decline in mortgage complaints came even as uh, there was a 5% increase in overall financial services complaints. So the mortgage industry is doing better overall with uh, you know, keeping people happy than uh, if you just take the whole uh, financial services industry in general. Um, data that we get from EMBS indicates that Fixed-rate MBS issuance on behalf of Fannie, Freddie, and Ginny totaled $127 billion in July last month. Um, And that was the single biggest month for agency issuance since July 2013, so a three-year high. Um, And Freddie led that that, that increase, and it was up uh, 17% for itself. Um, And then, you know, also last week, Fannie reported that – its business acquisitions climbed 16% between May and June to $54 billion, and, and that was nearly a three-year high. And 
another good point from that report was that 90-day delinquency fell to 1.32%, which is the lowest rate for the government-controlled enterprise since May 2008. So it's been over um, – Eight years since delinquency has been this low in Fannie. And, of course, we're seeing that, uh, that trend of both Fannie and Freddie. <clears throat> um, FHA, uh, we got some data last week from HUD that indicates that uh, about $21 billion in single-family loans, home equity conversion mortgages, and Title I loans were endorsed uh, during May. Um, and that was up 7% from April. Bad news is that 30-day delinquency, when you include foreclosures and bankruptcies, rose 12 basis points to 10.65%. So hmm. interesting how interesting. conventional delinquency is continually lower, and then FHA delinquency has kind of been rough and is still pretty high uh, as a rate overall. Um, J.D. Power put out its uh, U.S primary mortgage servicer satisfaction study last week and Quicken Loans had the most uh, the highest level of satisfaction against you know among its borrowers and it was the third year in a row that Quicken was the number one rated servicer um, and at the bottom of that list and there was uh, I don't know about three dozen or so lenders that they uh, or servicers that they covered uh, was Aquin. Um, yeah and that's surprising yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know you would think there would be a decline at Auckland because they've really been cutting back on their um, on on their servicing portfolio, which is smaller now. And uh, but yeah. anyway, so that's that's where that was. Um, let's see, Arch MI reported that uh, it wrote 6.4 billion dollars in new insurance during the second quarter. That was 121% more than in the first quarter. So I don't think we <laughs> see that. We don't see that kind of growth uh, among either uh, originators or insurance companies. Uh, that was just pretty strange. Well, you know why that was, don't you? What's that? They started advertising with us uh, in, in the first <laughs> quarter. So that's why. I mean, it's That obvious. says a lot. <laughs> what an endorsement, okay. huh? <laughs> a little self-serving there, so I couldn't resist. That's what they did the first quarter. We, we were thrilled. We were talking about that. They're they're they're. They are just rocking. They're doing so well. The Raystar app is not just because we're promoting it because of the radio, but it really is something else. Competitors are starting to complain about it. What are they doing there? Is that legal? Can they do that? It's really working for us. So, yeah, sorry, Timmy, to jump in there, but I had to. Couldn't resist the opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, lastly, uh, let's see. Ditech, uh, of course, is a subsidiary of Walter. Um, they're laying off 78 Texas employees this September, and also in September they're laying off 65 North Carolina employees. Uh, and all of those jobs are servicing jobs, and they're the you know they said in a statement to us that basically they're you know the defaults are declining, and they don't have a need for as many uh, employees in that particular department to handle that. So they're they're cutting back on some of that, which. Even though it's a sad thing that for anybody to be laid off, it's a good thing that defaults are declining and borrowers are able to pay, and that means, of course, conditions are better for all those borrowers. Yeah. So uh, those are those are our major headlines. At least uh, there's been a lot of news, especially in the middle of this earnings season. So there's just tons more that I didn't even come close to covering. But uh, yeah, but uh, go, to you go to the website and you can find it. Yep, go to exactly. The and you get signed up by calling Sam at two one four five two one thirteen hundred. Or just email Sam or pick up a phone call. Him. Great guy. Let's talk to him. You know, I, I could talk on and on about why I, I, I like Sam Garcia for so many reasons. But get a hold of him at samgarcia at mortgagedaily.com or the website mortgagedaily.com or 214-521-1300. Sam, always a pleasure to have you be a part of the broadcast and do appreciate you, man. Thank you for including me. You bet. Well, that's we're listening to. We got Andy Shell coming up right after this brief word from ArchMI. Again, Jim Jump, let's go over to him. He's the chief uh, head of marketing there and doing just an outstanding job, the ArchMI's chief marketing officer, Jim Jump. Hi, David. Thanks for having me on, and we're happy to be a proud sponsor of the program. And today I'd like again to talk about RateStar from Arch Mortgage Insurance. RateStar is a revolutionary tool that allows mortgage originators to dynamically price mortgage insurance and match coverage to ArchMI's most competitive rates. And that's important because it allows you to compete more effectively, qualify more borrowers, and of course close more loans. That's the power of RateStar. Originators from around the country are letting us know just how quick and easy RateStar is to use. And all you need is your NMLS number, and you can access RateStar anywhere, anytime, using multiple points of entry, including most LOS systems, product 
product and pricing engines, and through our websites at archmi.com and archmicu.com for credit unions. And of course, it's available through our mobile app for smartphones and tablets. RateStar makes it easy to choose what type of mortgage insurance coverage your loan needs. You just touch, tap, and go. Quotes are delivered in seconds and represent our most competitive RHMI rates based on the strength and quality of the loan application. And I have to tell you, David, getting a mortgage insurance quote has never been so powerful or so simple. And with that, I'll turn it back over to you and say thanks. Have a great day, everybody. Catch, tap, and catch. What's that? Catch, tap, and go. I like that. That was good. Andy Shell, uh, good to have you with us, my friend. And, uh, hey, Dave. You had a very successful webinar, and i got to give it a report on it. Now, it's, you, know, the, the, you can go to the NBA and listen to it, or you can call you directly and get your own webinar by just calling you. And so, But let's go into talking a little bit about the webinar and give us a brief update, if you'd be so kind. You betcha, Dave. Well, we had a great attendance at the webinar Two weeks ago, we did servicing overview, and then last week, we, de- we did the details of servicing, including the rules of servicing. Servicing rules, uh, it's the best. And so it was, it was well attended, great response, high, high ratings. It went very, very well. So we're excited about that. And I've got a couple of comments I wanted to add about servicing generally, but I wanted to make a quick side note. One, I too, Dave, am going to the NBA in October in Boston. Look forward to seeing you there, hanging out with you Good. at some of the booths. And also, yes. what's, today? what's today? It's August the 1st, so what do you expect to have by Friday? Your financial. <laughs> Where's you your financials? <laughs> your accounting team should be able to give you your financials by the fifth day of the month. If they were using any of the tools we support, you'd have them. And so if you don't have them by the 5th, let's talk about how we can make that happen. Um, yes. Quick side note, Dave, about servicing. Servicing actually is more profitable than production in many circumstances. It actually has unbelievable levels of profitability depending on how you want to measure it, whether if it's return on equity or if it's IRR or just how much money did you make. And the reason it's so high is because your cost basis in retaining servicing is is almost nothing because you're not spending money to buy it. So it can be very, very hard, very, very high. But here's the trick. It's very hard to get a really high IRR if you are operating in a way that is not best of breed, operating in efficiency with a very low cost structure. So if, if you pull up any of the people that run analytics on MSRs and they'll say, you know, MSRs are running at 200 IRR or 170 IRR or whatever, um, there are companies that generate those kind of returns, but they are best of breed efficiency with a very low cost structure. So if you're, if you're using a subservicer and they're holding the escrows, then you are not in the highest structure to generate high RRI. Mm, Say that three times fast. (laughs) You don't have the favorable cost structures. You just don't. So when you see companies bidding up at four multiples for servicing and you want to put servicing on your books at 130, believing that's the market value for you, it's not. Because if you're subservicing and they're holding your escrows, the value to you is not the same because your internal cost structure is higher and the benefits of servicing that you receive are less. So there's more to this than just, you know, just because Wells Fargo generates these high returns doesn't automatically mean that you can too for a lot of reasons. And also, here's a quiz for for later in the day. Joe, you know, Sam talked about Joe. I'm going to talk about Joe also. Joe said MBS prices improved. So, MBS prices improved. Is that good or bad for servicing? You know, it's a double-edged sword there because lower rates mean better production, but what does lower rates do to servicing? It causes uh, refinancing yeah. and MSR runoff. So, if you're servicing, you, you've got to be able to get that refinance business back in the door. There's a lot to this. So, watch for the write-ups coming. Like Paul said, people are writing the MSRs down, and they're going to be able to write them back up when rates start going back up again, which they will. It's just a matter of timing, and it's also a matter of capturing the refi business within your MSR portfolio so that you replace what your runoff is. 
And plus, you get to charge them fees again. So if you can preserve your your own portfolio, you'll have an MSR write down, but you'll have an origination gain. Those can offset, and you got your MSR back on the books at a lower coupon, so it's got a longer life expectancy. All good stuff, but you got to capture your runoff. So anyway, Dave, I can capture. keep going on and on, but. Yes, you did, and the, the webinar was well attended. And you know, I know I learned even for our complicated topics. People would say, "I'm a lawyer. I don't need to listen about that." You should learn that if you're a true professional, you need to understand all aspects of the industry. No one better to teach you about it than the Profit Doctor, also known as Andy Shell, or is it Andy Shell, also known as Profit Doctor? Man, you're getting so boiled. Yeah. Speaking, speaking <laughs> of branding, we're going to come up on that segment right after the KPI of the week. Andy, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate you. And uh, pleasure. Uh, it's always fun to hear your wisdom, wit and wisdom out there. So good. We have got hey, John Mainville with us, the key with the key this week's key performance indicator at the first of the month. So let's take a look at that KPI called app to underwriting. Let's see how how that's going for everybody out there. Hi, Dave. Thanks very much. Great to be back. And this week's key performance indicator is application to underwriting cycle time. This KPI is a measurement delivered at business days, and tracking this metric helps lenders ensure that their processes upstream from underwriting are as efficient as they can be. Our clients generally find that the sooner their qualified borrowers receive an underwriting decision, the less likely those borrowers are to shop around. So this KPI can ultimately boost app-to-funded pull-through as well, which is the KPI we focused on last week. So we're really beginning to connect the dots between operational efficiency and customer satisfaction. And once again, this and other KPIs we will be talking about in the coming weeks always demonstrate that what gets measured gets results. And uh, with that, I will thank you again, Dave, and turn it back to you. What gets measured gets results. So true. John Maynell with our good friends at Motivity Solutions. Uh, check it out at MotivitySolutions.com or call them at 303-721-9000. Good to have you all with us again I am really excited to have on the podcast some good friends of mine that have been around. I've known Pat Soroka, my gosh, it has been for I don't know how long, and I'm looking for Pat's number on here to make sure i got John and Scott's microphone turned on, and I've got to look for Pat here. There you are, Pat, got you. Uh, but it's good to have you guys with us. Pat, I've known you, gosh, for 30-some years, I think it is, in this industry. I've been in it for 43. I've known you a good well over half of the time in this industry, and it's so good to have you. And then also joining us is your son, Scott, and John, both in the business with you. Good to have you, and welcome to you all. Dave, can you hear me now? Can we hear you now? Yes. yes. I just wanted to continue with the theme you had going. Hey, this is John. Thank you so much for having us on your show today. We are absolutely thrilled to be here. And by the way, good seeing you at the conference last week. It was fun. These conferences are great, especially that one. So it is good to see, uh, or good to hear all of you. Good to see you again. Good to have all of you here with us. Let's get into this. And I'm going to start off with some questions to Pat. So I want to get up an update of what's going on. First of all, I'm going to say, Pat was one of the first guys. I, I managed a committee at the NBA a year back in the 80s, early 80s, mid-80s. And Pat showed up at this conference, and it had to do with uh, electronic communications, some early initiatives going on on could go on and on and on about that, but we formed a fast friendship. I found out the wisdom he had. He has done the marketing uh, for companies like Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, the NBA. I mean, he has really been involved at the highest level, knows this topic cold, and um, we have a love for fast cars and fun things to do. Uh, and I uh, really appreciate you, Pat, joining us. So tell us what's new at Soroka Brand Development. You guys have been serving our industry almost 30 years now. That is so hard. Believe. You know, it's, you're it's, right, uh, This goes back a long time, way back into the 80s. I think we were, we were doing some work for Echo, which is part of the NBA. Yes, that Echo One Applications and Applications. Yeah, yeah Echo and One Warren Dunn, I think, was there committee. at the same time. But I'll tell yeah. you, it, it's been a long time, but it seems like yesterday, but at the same time, it's been well over 30 years or for right around that time. Hard but, to believe. You know, Dave, we started as a traditional agency advertising and public relations and specialized in the mortgage banking industry way back in the mid-late 80s. And then what we did here, oh, roughly about 10, 12 years ago, to assist our clients with differentiating their brand and positioning themselves separately, uniquely in the marketplace, we became certified in brand development. However, in recent history now, our industry has changed dramatically with social media, digital commanding the largest role 
of how our clients are communicating with their prospects and customers. In fact, my son, John, he co-chairs the Mortgage Technology and Marketing Committee for the California MBA, which is gaining national recognition for their efforts in leading the way in respect to innovative ways and reaching all types of target audiences. Well, that's one of the reasons we're excited to talk to you all. And so, John, what are some of those innovations that are uh, that we can have? We're in social media, everything's going electronic. Can't wait to hear about some of these innovations. Tell us about it. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, Dad, thank you for the plug. The committee appreciates it. <laughs> um, yeah, we're doing some really great things with the committee, Dave. And, you know, look, the thing is that the pace of change in how we as a society communicate, make decisions, and evaluate options has really been dramatic. And now mobile is considered the first screen and desktop the second. And not long ago, it was exactly the reverse. So the buyer yeah. path, the key here thing, the key thing is that the buyer path has really changed, and yet again, uh, a lot of marketing people in the industry aren't devoting the time or the resources to figure out what this means to them and their communication strategies. So we take a very proactive role in bringing this to the fore, and you know, really making it front and center for our clients and proactively managing it in their strategies. So that's one side of what's new with us. The other side, another thing that's really driven change at Soroka is, well, people's expectations of brands and how they communicate with them and interact with them, it's changed dramatically. And this is primarily driven by millennials and technology, and they expect so much more of brands than ever before. They want them to really mean something, uh, mean more than profits. They want them to really stand for something. So how do you meet that expectation, John? Well, you know, as my dad alluded to, it's it's positioning. You know, how brands uh, position themselves, find their positioning, and answer that big question, why should I do business with you instead of one of your competitors? And uh, the key to our success has been really in our adaptability to these changes and our ability to really educate our clients, our prospects, and even the industry as a whole. And I'm going to do a quick plug over here for it, but as a co-chair of the Mortgage Technology and Marketing Committee at the California MBA, I play a very direct role in the education side. We cover topics like we've covered big data, we've covered millennials, we've covered, you know, buyer paths, and next up uh, we're going to be covering uh, mobile marketing as well. I encourage all of your listeners to check us out, watch for our webinars, contact me, and I'll make sure that you get the alerts. I can't wait to to hear more about this. I want to be paying attention to this. So what are some of the things that you're all looking at? You guys track all this stuff. What are the things that are really capturing, capturing your attention? Well, you know, look, marketing and communications has become uh, very complex, much more complex than it ever was. And it's all rooted in the buyer path and how it's changed since the Internet went public back in 95. And we've been studying these trends all along. As a result, we've become uh, much more than a marketing and PR communications company. We have, we have to really be uh, deeper than that to be of real value to our clients. And we really strive very hard for that. So we need to uncover the very core, strike at the core of the companies that we work with, at the very reason why they exist, and then build it out from there. The core of a company is their why. So we need to get to that why and then build the brand foundation. It's like pouring the foundation to a house so that you have something, so that you can put up the studs. That's where you're, you know, so that you can, uh, where all the communication strategies can firmly stand. So we need to ensure that their communications activities resonate and ultimately drive sales or originations. And that requires a totally, completely different skill set and mindset than for marketing or PR activities. You have to get beyond service, competitive rates, technology, speed, and the like. All of those are very important, Dave, but they're all expected. So what do you stand for as a company and, you know, why do you exist? You have to get beyond the obvious, and that's especially important to the millennial generation. That's really, these millennials, that is so important. It's a key point that you bring out. Pat, can you tell me a little bit about our listeners just what the difference is between marketing and brand development? I think that needs to be really clearly delineated in people's minds. Oh, sure. Of course, Dave. 
you know, brand development, what that really is, is a process. And it's a process of unearthing what is the uniqueness of a brand and differentiating it from its comp- competitors. Uh, with the goal of really establishing why a person or a company should do business with that brand as opposed to any of the competitors. Whereas marketing, on the other hand, that is the external representation of that brand once it's established via traditional advertising, public relations, and now social media channels as well. And uh, i got a whole bunch of questions I'd like to dive into that, but I want to get over to Scott. I mean, I need you on yet, Scott, yeah. so I want to get here from you. But, you know, how do you go about this brand development process? You're kind of like the, I mean, you guys are all experts. The firm is an expert at this, but let me get your take on that. Sure, it's great to be here, Dave. Well, the process of developing a brand really involves digging really deep into the heart and soul of the company so that we can really gain an understanding of its reason for existence and its purpose and why the ownership and leadership team believes that the business will succeed, especially in an industry that is so incredibly competitive, uh, such as the mortgage industry. So the process is really about asking the right questions and drilling deeper and deeper so that we can really emerge with unique selling points that truly are unique and ones that borrowers, customers, and brokers find to be both relevant and both, uh, as well as meaningful, and enough so uh, that it will influence the desired purpose decision. Well, you know, when you're looking at that, don't many companies think they already have their UPS or USP? What's yeah. USP? Repeat that to me. I'm reading, I'm reading some notes here, and I go, I abbreviated sure. that. What's USP again? Unique, Unique. selling proposition. Okay. So, you know, a lot of companies think they already have it. So, yeah, many do, absolutely. However, here's the problem, is that when I go to Mr. and Mrs. CEO and I say, okay, what's your USP, what makes you unique, more often than not I get those generic responses like great service, we have awesome technology and great programs, experienced people, (laughs) or these other characteristics that nearly every other mortgage company, as you all know, brags about. So, these really are not unique selling points. They patients, and none of them are really strong enough to influence a uh, desired behavior. So what we're really specifically looking for is an answer to two questions. Number one is, why should borrowers want to obtain home financing through your company versus all the other options available to them? And number two is, why should those producers want to work for your company versus so many others. So the goal is to help them find their uniqueness and their tiebreaker, those things that really stand out, making their competitors so much less relevant. So how do you differentiate between one company and another? Well, just like no two people are alike, no two companies are alike. We can think that to culture. And it's really, again, about asking the right questions and having a different dialogue or conversation. And what we do, Dave, is we open the eyes of the leadership team to things and perspectives they may have never thought about before or considered that would really make or could really make their brand unique and desirable to those right audiences. So when we facilitate that discussion, we keep our eyes and ears open not only for what is being said, but also for what is not being said. But in the end, Ah. we always emerge with a brand of substance and significance. God, that's fascinating. Let's go back to you, Pat. So how does this relate to marketing and PR? Well, Dave, what it really does, it makes the marketing and public relations so much more effective because it markets the central core of why a company exists and why prospects should choose their company over any of their competitors. It provides for consistency in the marketing messages. They don't need to be creating a new marketing campaign every month or every quarter. They simply need to align their newest promotional effort with their core brand message. And that ensures that each marketing campaign reinforces the previous campaign and presents a consistent image for the company to the public that it really serves. For example, if you take it out of the mortgage industry for a moment and you looked at three car brands, let's say you looked at Jeep. I think that anybody listening to you, to you today would understand that a Jeep it implies ruggedness. You can tow a boat with it. Right. You can go off-roading. You can do that type of thing. If you think of Ferrari, you think of speed. You think of driving excitement. whole different type of vehicle. 
and a third might be a Dodge Caravan. Could be great for family vacations and transporting children to different sporting events, but all three of those are unique brands with unique purposes, and people understand that. Well, our goal basically is that when we work with a mortgage company to establish that and create that brand, so that is the precise and unique from their competitors, much like those three automobile brands have done, if you will. It's really fascinating. Uh, John, let's uh, get back to you. So what are other ways marketing has changed over the years? You guys have been at this for a long, probably know them better to give us uh, that perspective. And everybody's talking about millennials. I really want to zero in on that, the buzzword. And what are you doing differently to reach this new millennial generation? Dave, that's a great question. You know what, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the complexity of the sales and marketing process is really at an all-time high. And like I said, started with the Internet going live in 95, yet the skill and knowledge level of many marketing departments, uh, you know, especially in the, in the mortgage industry, they just haven't kept pace. So the thing that's changed is, again, the buyer path. And it's much more complex today than it ever used to be. It used to be very linear where as you move down what was known as the purchase funnel, everybody's probably heard of the purchase funnel. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's been in existence since like the late like 1800s. And uh, you narrow your options very quickly and, you know, settling eventually on the winning company that's going to get your business. But today... Um, you really have to reimagine the whole path. The process is much less linear, and the path looks much more like a loop than a funnel. And this is largely because of how people interact with and conduct research on the Internet. Too many marketers still think in terms of a buyer funnel and try to force-fit the funnel, which doesn't take into account people's various you know, emotions, states of mind, and things like that as they investigate and learn online, and then their opportunities um, uh, you know, their their uh, choices expand and contract depending on how they, you know, learn and how they moved on that path. That's really interesting. It's almost like a new paradigm. Share with us some more. I'd like to get some more insights into this. This is fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so really in order to win in this new paradigm, as you said, you have to meet people where they are online with the right content at the right time that helps them move down their individual decision paths. And the word individual is very important because everybody, you know, does it their own way. And, uh, you know, as for reaching millennials, um, the second part of your question, I get asked that question a lot. You know, and there's two sides to this, Dave. There's, uh, for example, retail lenders, for example, they want to attract millennial home buyers, okay, to do business with them. That's clear. It's well documented in the industry. And they also want to hire millennials, like many other companies. So there's a recruitment side to this whole thing as well. So as far as attracting them to want to do business with you, this is where the brand plays a very important role and is why we place so much emphasis on developing corporate brands, especially that foundation uh, upon which all the technical strategies can be built and executed in a consistent fashion with consistent messaging that you know establishes that unique persona uh, for that company with a purpose that reaches deeper. Uh, from a digital side, It really comes down to understanding how buyers make decisions and the decision pathway they use and how you can meet their needs with the right content presented at the right time as they move down that path. You know, content meaning videos, blogs, you know, e-books or what have you. Uh, We also work to ensure that once they hit your site, and this is very important, once they actually hit your website, the experience, the what we call it's abbreviated CX, customer experience. The customer experience has to be very smooth. And then from the recruitment standpoint, you know, Scott works with companies to help them establish uh, their internal cultures to reinforce the brand. For millennials, you know, culture is so important, and we recognize that as a company, and that's why we have, you know, this uh, program we created. It's called BEST, B-E-S-T, which stands for Brand Enculturation Strategy. And we understand that millennials... Enculturation. I like like that word, enculturation. That's good. (laughs) You know what? And that's uh, actually uh, one of one of uh, my uh, clients actually pointed that out to us, or to be client anyway. And they're actually using that word, and they were wondering if that's a real word, and they looked it up. <laughs> but it's a great <laughs> word. <laughs> and uh, you know, 
you know, what you have to understand is that millennials look for and uh, what millennials look for and that they don't, you know, they don't stick around at the same company uh, for very long anymore. Mm-hmm. Companies need to adjust to that new normal. This is uh, changing much more of the way companies interact with their prospects as well as their customers, I would assume, and uh, with with their own employees that are shifting in and out, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely, and that's why it's so important to be aware of these uh, new contemporary marketing tools and how to really employ and deploy them. That's fascinating. So it sounds like you are really getting into figuring this out. I'm sure everyone's trying to figure it out because it's all fairly new to us. Uh, Can clients measure the success of progress they're making? Uh, absolutely. And, and Dave, measurement is really important to us. Uh, people really expect it. Uh, and uh, so we, we have plenty of things that we can measure along with surveys and software to measure them. For example, in mobile, let's look at that. Um, some key analytics would include active page dwell, viewability, interaction rate, among others. Uh, one of the challenges marketers face is that many are still measuring the success of campaigns using uh, using standard desktop KPIs uh, or key right. performance indicators like shares and likes. When most people do all of their research on mobile and then they make decisions on desktop, you know, their purchases. So why so why aren't they? you know, looking at these other measurement tools. You have to measure mobile because we're in a mobile-first environment. And then, yeah, exactly. And then there's also attribution modeling where you determine what touch points along a buyer's path are most important and should therefore be given more weight in campaigns. And so many companies still think in terms of the last, uh, what's called the last interaction model, which assigns 100% credit to the final touch point before a sale occurs, which is entirely incorrect because it's a series of decisions that get them there. Make sense? Yeah, that, that, that does. And there's some things that are involved internally and externally. I'd love to get a little more perspective on that. And then looking at the clock, we got to wrap this up. Man, that's a fascinating topic, though. Hey, Dave, this is Scott again. Uh, yeah, I, we're a huge believer that if, if you don't measure it, you can't manage it. Um, and brand is really 100% internal. When we really look at the metrics that really make a difference and an impact in any organization, um, you're looking at things like employee morale and engagement, their level of productivity. Um, innovation is very relevant within the mortgage industry. And, of course, the ability to attract and retain top-producing employees and loan officers Externally, we also look at measuring the level of brand awareness uh, and its uniqueness. And once people understand the uniqueness of the brand, uh, is relevant, is it credible? And once we establish that, we graduate onto brand preference, uh, delivery, and then you have things such as uh, brand advocacy. So there's a lot of metrics that we take into consideration when we engage to make sure that we move in the right direction with our clients. Really interesting stuff. As we wrap this up, Pat, what are the three greatest benefits your clients find from going through this process or anyone would find going through this process? Well, actually, in, first of all, Dave, when a company understands its brand and its values and its reason for existence, it really provides a renewed enthusiasm and clarity for everybody within the company, within the organization, and everybody is then on the same page and they speak the same language about the company. The company culture is then centered around the same pivot point of who the company is, where they are going, what they want to accomplish, how they want to be perceived, and what they want to accomplish. And everybody understands where the, where the company is going. And secondly, the investment in marketing and PR and social media becomes so much more valuable and so much stronger. The messaging is the same, and the reason someone should do business with a company becomes really clear and very precise, and the brand therefore creates momentum. Third, the decision-making becomes so much easier. Everybody from the CEO to the middle managers to the new hires all preach from the same book, if you will. And actually, Dave, there are really four. And the fourth is that the brand becomes so focused that it's easier to sell and easier for business partners, realtors, and other referrers to tell that brand story because of its consistent messaging. That's fascinating information. For people that want to talk to you guys more about this, get more direct knowledge, 
Pat, what's the best way for people to connect with you, John, and Scott? Best way to do it is just uh, give us a call uh, or email us. You can just simply email me at pat, P-A-T, at Soroka, S-E-R-O-K-A dot com, or give any one of us a call at 262-523-3740. Are you- and that's the best way to do it. Absolutely. Or you can yeah. email me, John. You can email any one of us, Pat, Scott, or John. It's all our first names, at Soroka.com. You bet. Great way to put it. Excellent. Thanks so much, guys, for joining in. Love this topic. Love this. I, I could, I've got a million questions. We could spin off of this whole discussion just today. But I encourage people to get a hold of you guys. You're excellent at what you do. You're good friends. And I've, I've never referred to anybody that they haven't been ecstatic with your services. So, Uh, Good job today, and appreciate you coming on. Folks, it's been great having the Soroka and Associates team with us. Uh, So today's broadcast, I encourage you to get a hold of them, download this podcast, listen to it, share it with others. We have got next week, we're going to be doing the podcast. Whoa, didn't mean to do that. Sorry about that. We are going to be broadcasting live from the Michigan Mortgage Lenders Conference in Traverse City. Uh, Be looking forward to that event. I'll be up there with Alice in Pure Michigan. Beautiful opportunity to just get together and fellowship and looking forward to having you there so good to have you with us next week again we'll have as our special guest robert uh england or him talking about more about millennials marketing millennials what do you need to know about millennials really diving into that topic there's a great article in the latest mortgage banking magazine and we're pulling off of that and then going off of that launching off of that into how you can recruit interact more effectively it'll be Really a good topic. So good to have you all with us. We appreciate you. Greetings again from eastern Washington and the foothills of the Cascade Ranges. It's beautiful here, and I hope you are enjoying your summer wherever you're at. Have a great week, everybody. Look forward to seeing you back here next week. This has been Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin, of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Alvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week, and thank you for listening.